Hey everybody, this is Jeff Stevens and this is the Creative Stick Up. This week it is my pleasure to welcome our podcast guest, Dr. Kathy Kramer. She's the founder and president of the Kramer Institute. I'm an author of several books on leadership development and uh, that's what we're talking about today. How to develop heroic and mindful leaders. So uh, have a listen and I'd like to thank our sponsor, Culture 8 Strategy. Culture 8 Strategy is an innovation and creative consultancy that helps businesses become more innovative and creative. If you want a little bit of that, contact the guys over at Culture 8 Strategy. All right, so without further ado, here's my interview with Dr. Kathy Kramer. Um, so anyway, we were just chatting. This is this is Jeff Stevens, and this is another Culture Eight Strategy Creative Stick Up. And this week, I'm really excited to be joined by Dr. Kathy Kramer, who is a uh, well-known consultant in town and specializes her thing. And she tells me I need to get my thing going. She's got a thing, and her thing is leadership development. Right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I think uh, leadership development is about each person, yeah. each leader finding their thing. Okay, yeah. that's essentially what it is. Well, essentially you have a unique value proposition yep. uh, as a leader. You have a signature presence as a leader. You probably have a mighty cause as a leader. Okay. Uh, and most of us walk around not very much in touch with any of that. Right. So, yeah, it's funny. And I was, I've been a leader at a company before and you just... you. You kind of just get there because you're you're doing your job well, and your job is to, in my case, be a creative. But you weren't. I was never a good leader. <laughs> you just all of a sudden find yourself being a leader, and you're not really prepared for it, right? In a lot of ways, none oh of those gosh. things you never thought about any of that stuff. It, it's it's more often than not <laughs> people are promoted because they're really good subject matter experts. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. And you, the creative, that's yeah. what happened to you. Just kept doing good work and they kept making you something else and they put people in and you're like, I don't know what to do with any of this stuff. Well, you... You, know, <laughs> you figured out. You, you definitely... We all know something about yeah. what to do yeah. and I would say that the uh, the basic principle here mm -hmm. that I always say... To people early on, people follow people, okay. not just great ideas. Okay. So part of what leadership used to be about, it was really confined to the vision, strategy, you know, how are we going to organize, what's our what's mm -hmm. our the next version of our growth proposition, all of which are really important. Mm -hmm. uh, what was left out and more and more often now is put back in is the leader himself or herself is the biggest driver of whatever the strategy might be, whatever yeah. the change might be. Yeah. Because of this whole thing about we are human beings and so we want to trust, mm -hmm. we want to join forces, we want to feel inspired, we yeah. want to know that we matter. Yeah. And that is what a leader 
is right. able to do for people. Yeah. Well, and I don't, it's funny, most of the projects that I work on, it all, at some point within the first or second part of it, it comes back to developing the leader, right? To No matter what you're doing, it's it's got to go through that channel. And it's funny, I've always felt that if you can inspire that organic movement, people, whatever, you can overthrow bad leadership, but it's really not that way. You need great leaders across well, the board, right? <laughs> I'm always a guy that's it, overthrowing them. Yeah, well, overthrowing leaders sometimes <laughs> is the only answer. <laughs> kind of like voting with your feet is that's sometimes right. only the answer. Yeah. But um, what I would say is that uh, you need the, the yeah. bottom-up, yeah. right? Yeah. And good leaders know that. Yeah. They know how to orchestrate uh, people being able to have authority and ingenuity mm -hmm. and grit, you know, at all levels. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's all part of the proposition. Mm -hmm. So it's leaders um, finding ways to engage people okay. so that they too can lead. Okay. And and how did you get into this whole space? How did you how did you find this journey here? You, we're at the Kramer Institute right now. That's where we're sitting. We are. Yeah. And so it's and the microphone matches the, the orange, orange walls. walls. That's right. Yeah. And we are in the, the conference room where things happen. This looks like the room where you come, and, and I've actually been to one of the programs here, and it was fantastic. Um, so, but, so how did you get into this space, and how did you become an expert in this? Well, uh, <laughs> expert I might shy away from, but um, so here's what I would say. Yeah. It, we have been uh, a company for 25 years before this um, Kramer Institute uh, Enterprise that I founded, I was at the Stress Center. I founded something called the Stress Center at St. Louis University okay. Medical Center. Wow. And I was there for about nine years. And that was the first... Stress like stress. stress dealing in, with stress. like yeah. people feeling stressed. Wow. <laughs> people coming in. Yeah. No, no. So yeah. we would go to corporations. Okay. So this was a time when people were just, you know, they were very willing to admit oh, I have stress or yeah. I feel stress, people don't want to admit that they're depressed yeah. or, you know, anxious. But All stress yeah. is okay. Yeah. That so means I'm doing my job. Right, and it's coming at me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's externally. Right. So um, I would say that was the beginning of my interest in helping people realize that they really are in control uh -huh. of how they use the stress, right. you know, and, and they can begin to manage it rather than having the stress manage them. Wow. And so you so. started this, the stress center. Yeah. With a hospital. With a hospital, yeah. Because, of course, that makes sense. No, yeah. Well. <laughs> right, but it's just. Have, no, but it was for corporations. Sure. Yeah. So the makes way sense. it makes sense yeah. is that stress is a risk factor Huge. for cardiovascular yeah. disease as yeah. well as many others. In fact, up to 70% of the reason we call it a physician for something is that we're suffering from stress yeah. of some sort and it helps the immune system depress mm -hmm. and therefore we get a symptom right mm -hmm. and so that that's pretty well known but St. Louis University Hospital was right on the cutting edge of helping to reduce health care costs yeah. and wanting to make relationships with companies so I always yeah. give them the credit yeah. for helping me uh, make entry into large companies like IBM and AT&T, and I was, you know, just a brand new PhD then, and really know that I had a gift that was person-centered, so for the manager or the mm -hmm. manager's teams, 
And we taught managers how to teach other people okay. on their teams how to manage stress. Okay. And the reason I'm bringing that up is that, um, so the fundamental work that I've done my whole career is how do you manage your mindset? How do you start noticing what's really useful, what's valuable, mm -hmm. what's best, what's possible? Mm -hmm. And we call that asset-based thinking. Yes, and this is this is the book you've written, or that's the book I read. That's Change what the way you see everything. Yeah, this yep. is how it is, right? Yeah. This is what it's the the yep. thing that is centered on. Right, yep. and, and we call it change the way you see everything mm -hmm. because we're programmed by nature and nurture to mm -hmm. look at the negative side of the equation: yeah. what's wrong, what's problematic, what's not working, where are the gaps. I mean, so that's most done. of our defaults. It's almost all of our we defaults. We just look we, at what's wrong. The glass can, is half empty for us. We can bl right? blame the brain, right? but we can also, you know, uh, wonder whether or not when your parents read your report card, what did they look at first? Yeah. Your A's or, or your, your B. Your B minus, right? right? That's the one that stood out. That's right. <laughs> well, look, you got all these A's. What happened? What happened here? here? That's the what first question. Here? Right. <laughs> and, and as adults, we carry that with us, right? And we look at 360s, and we're always looking for, you know, okay, great, I got mm -hmm. fine, but what, you know, what do I mm -hmm. need to improve? Yeah, you're constantly scanning for the threats, right? Or the constantly scanning for the things that are going to go wrong versus right. being happy with the things that are going, or focusing on the things that you can improve or go or, with. Right, and something. I think a really interesting way to talk about that yeah. in a slightly different way is that we have three main motivational systems in the brain. Okay. The most basic one is avoid harm. Ah. So if we think the B minus is going to harm us, right. meaning we can't get into college or whatever, you know that we're gonna, you know, if mm -hmm. if it's a nuisance factor and we don't care, you know, we're gonna we won't notice it. Yeah. Um, the other two motivational systems that have evolved after avoid harm are seek rewards and attach to others. And so when we work with leaders, we always tell them about those three motivational systems because they have most of the brain they can activate if they look at something, you know, painting mm -hmm. a rewarding picture yeah. of what somebody can accomplish, how mm -hmm. they can contribute, if they can form a culture where there's a strong sense of pride mm -hmm. and, um, you know, dedication to one another. Mm -hmm. th these are the kinds of things that that the leader has access to it for free right. because our brain works that way. Yeah. So how do I start uh, behaving that way? Right, right. Setting up a system mm -hmm. that reinforces those two much more positive motivational yeah, systems. Yeah. And lo and behold, working on, your, on yourself first, mm -hmm. right? Putting these strategies, if you will, we call them lead positive strategies or APT strategies. Mm -hmm. ABT is asset-based thinking, thinking for yes. short. Yep. Okay. Um, in into my own life, how do I bake them yep. into my daily routine? Yep. And then how do I help others do the same and set up systems that will yeah. be very uh, asset-based? Yeah. So do you? And the, essentially, that is the leadership training that if that you do here at the Kramer Institute. I mean, go into companies, and when and when you go in there, is it? How do you get? How do you sh prove to them that everyone is needs this, or is, is do you have to go in and do some discovery and you point out all the negativity that's here? Or how do you get them to say like, "Wow, this is this is a sight for sore eyes to come in and then train my people to do this." 
Okay, so or is it pretty usually, obvious? Well, usually the <laughs> discovery like happens before we get there. Right, they're like, hey, there's something wrong going on. Well, and the something yeah. wrong are kind of like symptoms. You know, you might have the flu, you might have a cold, yeah. you might have the measles, you yeah. might have um, a bad heart. Yeah. Uh, so, so the symptoms usually are somewhat negative, although I'm seeing a shift there. But So the negative symptoms have to do with low engagement. So employees are really not engaged. Yeah. They are not, and therefore suboptimized, yep. not as productive. Yep. Um, sometimes there is a toxic culture. Yeah. You know where where the culture is beyond tough into mean. Yeah. You know beyond constructive criticism into yeah cutting people off at the knees. Yeah. Throwing people under the bus yeah. as a sort of a habit. Yeah, just the, and we've all seen yeah. those kind of companies, right? We have, yep. You know, we call them cutthroat or whatever. And and some people, not uh, the average person, thrive in that kind of an environment. Mm -hmm. Most people don't. Right. And so you just know you're you're losing so much of what I would call the innovation mm -hmm. and the, you know, the real. Uh, fastest path to cash, which most companies are looking for, yeah. is really having people be able to be highly engaged mm -hmm. and feel safe enough mm -hmm. to voice their ideas, yeah. voice their opinion, yeah. voice, their voice their disagreement. Mm -hmm. I mean, so that we have a diversity of thought in mm -hmm. the room, we have the ability to, and this is interesting, Peter Senge, who is a writer and a scholar um, in this field used to say that the um, I heard him say once that that the thing that discouraged him the most was when there was a team of people individually each of whom had a gifted mm -hmm. IQ mm -hmm. 120 right. or above right. but collectively <laughs> they functioned <laughs> at below average right. you know so here you have yeah. these people with really me. smart people Really smart people that cannot leverage how smart they are together yeah, right. because of all kinds of uh, issues. Yeah. So, you know, that's part um, of the discovery. Recently, however, uh, we have people coming to us who want cultures that are more agile. Right. And A, a big buzzword. And right. Sounds good. Taken from our startup friends who and well, yeah, constantly try and fail and try and fail and learn. And that's not the way most companies are hardwired to be. Right, right. Yep. And and even when you're thinking about, you know, how do we go to market? What's yep. the business model? Whatever. Yeah. You know, the whole the whole idea here is more creative, what you know a lot about, yep. right, Jeff? Yeah, yeah. And you know, so the way if the way a designer approaches something, mm -hmm. the way a creative person does is usually different than a subject matter expert mm -hmm. in one of the more traditional business-oriented disciplines. Yep, yep. I could be in finance, I could be in IT, I could be in sales, I could be in marketing. And so one of the companies that we're, that we're working with right now is very market-driven. And so the agility in that, because of that, mm -hmm. the agility is critical. Consumers are shifting, right. markets are shifting, mm -hmm. and, and you have to be able to uh, respond yeah. and create. So it's interesting. When you go into these companies, I wonder how much resistance... Someone told me, you know what, the only way you're going to change a culture is to just change the generation. You're going to have to get the young people in and train them right because 
the people that have been here forever are never going to change. I, I hear that a lot, or I, I sense a lot. And it's funny, I was talking to people on just a couple of friends who are on the client side, who one of them's at a huge, huge uh, consumer packaged good company in Cincinnati. So, but they're just, you, they, you, you get this sense that they don't believe it's possible to really do this quickly or, or it sounds like, what's your experience with that? Is it hard to get, to, to get people to buy into this? Do you, do you get a lot of cynicism? Do you get a lot of, you know, just the usual pushback? Well, I was, I was just going to use the word cynic. Yeah. So I, my definition of a cynic is a disappointed optimist. Disappointed optimist. Yeah. Somebody that really believed in that things yeah, were possible. Yeah, at some point. And but <laughs> like the evidence, that. like, yeah. you know, mounted against them. And, and, and it's like, oh, you know, woe is me. This is never going to work. And, of course, it's easier to hire than develop people. Yep. You know, that's a whole other adage. Yep. And so we, we have to know mm -hmm. that as we're replacing people, yep. for exa yep. example, baby boomers are leaving. Yep. That's no secret. It's often a brain drain, which is a problem. Yep. Um, but in this area of culture and leadership, yeah. I think um, the uh, I think leaders at all levels, and even in the C-suite, yeah. you know, who they tend to be a little older than yeah. others. Sure. Um, once they get a taste of how different okay. the work. The day feels like, yeah. forget whether it's work or home or whatever. Yeah. When, when they get a difference, how much of a difference they can make in their experience. Mm -hmm. So this, I, we're not contributing to their uh, subject matter, knowledge, their mm -hmm. know-how in their field. What we're contributing to is, you know, do they real, are, are they thrilled to get out of bed in the morning? Right. Are they having the kind of conversations that are stimulating mm -hmm. like you and I are having yeah. right now? Yeah. You know, are we are we able to you know welcome new ideas and be decisive? So this is not a matter of you know just mm -hmm. playing nice all the time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to you know wrestle the thing to the ground and and right. make a decision. Right. But even that's fun. Yeah. You know when yeah. it's a when it's the kind of thing you were talking about before. If it's going to fail, let's fail fast. Yeah. If it's going to succeed, let's ride it yeah. to its big conclusion. Yeah its biggest conclusion possible. Yeah. So we like to say that leaders always need a moonshot. Yeah. I'm considering changing that to Mars shot. Oh, I like that. I think that's I, well, great. Well, I mean, I think it's more, Why not? more uh, apropos, right? Totally. But I heard a journalist once that's say, beautiful. you know, hey, oh, that sounds like your moonshot. And she was talking about Google. And I thought, wow, that's a great way to put it because... We all can relate, even though the moon is someplace where we've been, you know, we were successful, what it felt like to get on board and make that happen. Yeah. No matter where you were in yeah. the yeah. system, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, what are you doing today? Well, I'm going to the moon. What are right, you doing? Right, right, So that whole idea of... Do you coach them on finding one of those when you go into companies? Like, we need our thing. We need our rally thing. Well, so there, yes. Yeah. So there needs to be... A company moonshot, mm -hmm. and then moonshots that are in that direction, okay. right? That might uh, really pertain more to how you're going to contribute to the overall moonshot, right? Yeah. yeah. So I can think of you know some of the companies we support are in big transform transformations. Dupont is one of them. Yep. And they are you know spinning off uh, all their chemical companies. They started out as a 
the manufacturer of ammunition, mm -hmm. you know, moved into chemicals. Well, the leadership there knows that the way the, you know, feeding the world and being able to help the world heal and take care of itself yeah. physically yeah. is um, that's good. the next iteration yeah. of, what, of who they want to be in the yeah. world. Well, and that's a moonshot. Yeah, not a chemical company. Not a chemical company. Yeah. Okay, so you can be not a chemical company, but what, what are kind you of company be? are you going right, to be? Right, right. You know, so that's the the aspirational yeah. field is so underrated. You know, this yeah. incremental. You know, we're going to run the business by the numbers, and of course, you need that. Right. And you need this unbelievably unbelievable amount of passion and uh, level of meaning mm -hmm. to what you're what you're doing yeah. and that's what the millennials you know your whole yeah, idea about yeah. maybe we just have to get get the new people in here mm -hmm. what they can teach us that we all need a dose of and this is where i think baby boomers and millennials really kind of converge we all you know we we the baby boomers that would be my group mm -hmm. um grew up in a very idealistic mm -hmm. uh we can create the world the way we want it to yeah. be, not it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. And we had the luxury of that because yeah. you know we weren't tilling the soil yeah. and we weren't uh, you know trying to figure out a way to work and go to school. Many of us were not. Um, it was the boom, the economic boom after World War II. Most people, most GIs go to college. I mean, it was real. It was a time to dream. It was a time where... It was where... a time to dream. Yeah. And now it's a time, time, time to dream, dream again. again. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, technology. thanks to technology, really. Yeah. And the millennials not only believe in technology, but they believe in aiming it at something that matters. Yeah. So that's interesting. You talk about a company like DuPont who has seen that the it's whether it's a way to profit or not, the way to... What they need to be as a company is meaningful to change the world, right? Or they need to be on the positive side of the ledger. And, that, and this was a company that probably for years had a bad reputation, just the name itself, right? Brought, bought up bad images of chemicals, and right? I would assume. And they're, they're, it almost feels like though companies are in this constant state of transformation, it's, and it almost feels like a way of being is constantly transforming. Like there's no end point to this, right? Like a person. Right? But but that's the way you have to think about it. It's this yeah. constant organic growth, and the if stuff. If you don't, if you're the, yeah. And the stuff you do is to train people to do that. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And then to help the whole. See, you know, you asked earlier, how did I get into this business? Yeah. So you know, blinding flash of the obvious. Twenty five years later, <laughs> it, it, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to niche our business, uh, and you know, go where. It matters most to go, mm -hmm. and it's people who are leading. It doesn't necessarily only need mean the C-suite either. Yeah, somebody leading a team. Yeah, somebody. It, it's people who are influencing mm -hmm. across the matrix. This is another big thing these days. You know, yeah. now you don't have authority, and you have to go make something happen in all different corners of the of of the organization. You know, that's where the emperor really has no clothes. When you begin to realize, oh my God, I can't make somebody do this. Yeah. So I have to relate to them. Yeah. See where our self-interests match, right? Do something that might be a trade-off for me in yeah. order to help them get what they need. So there's this this whole thing about relating. Yeah. And and it almost like is this pressure 
you, you've got to sell them on the idea, the innovation. It's like to put a team together to get them to believe in it, to get them to do it. It, it sense checks itself, right? Yeah. Because you have to make everyone believe that this is where you're going. You can't just make them do it. So no. It's, it's no longer, yeah. No, you can't make them do it. And if you're making somebody do something, you're not getting the full uh, impact of what they have to offer. One of, one of the things I really was uh, attracted to about working with you was the use of the hero's journey. And that's something that just coming from a writing background, and if you've ever dabbled in screenwriting or uh, book writing, whatever, you, at some point you've run across Joseph Campbell's work and or uh, Christopher Vogler's work if you're a screenwriter, and it's about how to tell a story. And it turns out, which is amazing, that all the story, it's basically the same story. We have this transformational story of humanity, right? And it's it's the same kind of steps and everything is is uh it's how you get from point a to point b and you you go on your journey you're called to action you deal with what you have to deal with and you come back with this knowledge and that's essentially it you've turned this into a way of training people and i i think that's something i'll talk a little bit about where that connection came from and what's the power of that well here's what we noticed a couple things first of all the leader underestimates by a factor of a hundred, maybe even a thousandfold, how important they really are in the entire trajectory of the journey. So okay. it's not just getting people on board. Yeah. You know, it's it's every step of the way. You gotta keep the troops, the the hunt party keep, together. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And what is required at different stages is different, yeah, right? Right. So in the beginning, as Joseph Campbell would talk about the call, what you do, what some leaders need to do, is take that KPI and elevate it to something that has values and meaning really embedded in it so that it's not just a number that I'm trying to right. reach. It really becomes meaningful. Yeah. So we, we often say to leaders, uh, mean what you say and say something meaningful. Oh. So those two things, yeah. authenticity yeah. and then the idea of being able to invest meaning in something. I, yeah. I was was meeting yeah. with a leader today who was talking to me about his new business model and I said, you really are excited about this. Yeah. He said, I really am. I said, tell me three reasons why you're excited about this. And the this, yeah. you know, it made sense, right? Yeah. Um, and it was interesting. It was, you know, how to take big monolithic companies and help them become uh, much more customer-focused. Mm -hmm. Let me just say it that way. Yep. And um, but this guy was, he was on fire yeah. with this. Yeah. And as he began to talk about it, it's like, he wants to be part of recreating mm -hmm. the way the world of business works. Yeah. Well, now that is bigger than. Yeah. That's revolutionary. Taking, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So you've got, and this might sound pie in the sky, mm -hmm. and not everybody needs to, you know, be mm -hmm. um, the savior of right. the Western world, okay, <laughs> or the world at large. Right. But the idea of just elevating and yeah. deepening the commitment. And what the purpose mm -hmm. for the for the leader, and so the other thing about Joseph Campbell's work mm -hmm. 
that we find with leaders is leaders tend to only, uh, what they tend to do is to sit in the now and look at what would be possible, create a vision mm -hmm. of the future, and then they, um, and sometimes they do that very well. So Chip and Dan Heath have a book called Destination Postcard, and I totally believe that they are right. The more sensory detail you can provide about that future state, the more likely people are to see it, imagine it, yeah. put themselves in it. So that's that's great, yeah. right? But what we fail to do mm -hmm. is to really look at the predictable stages, I'll say, from the get-go, mm -hmm. and what it's going to feel like as a human being as you are moving through those stages, and what the leader needs to do mm -hmm. in order to help people navigate. So what Campbell's work does mm -hmm. is that it gives the leader and everybody else the leader is leading mm -hmm. a narrative. Yeah. And what happens with narrative, just like the end state, sensory yeah. detail, if I have detail about what it's going to be like in phase two, right. which is not only external naysayers, mm -hmm. right, but my own self-doubt yeah. that oh. starts coming out, oh. what and normalize that. Um, I don't know, there's some research, for example, that we usually give people so they can kind of see how how um, how regularly this happens. 70% of us, uh, especially high achievers, on, I'll say, a regular intermittent basis suffer from something called the imposter syndrome. Yeah. And the imposter syndrome, of T course, tells is... Tells us we're imposters. Yeah. yeah. We're not as good as other people yeah. think we are. Right. Right? Like, yeah. It's like, who am I? Oh my gosh, yeah. right? What in the world did I decide to yeah. take on? Yeah. Right? And it might be might right. be an internal goal, might be an external yeah. goal. But you know, we suffer from that. So mm -hmm. so what do you do about that? Mm -hmm. And as you tell the story mm -hmm. to yourself and to others, the story is like a rehearsal mm -hmm. and the mind doesn't make a big distinction, believe it or not. I think we kind of know that yeah. fiction sure. is often as powerful or sure. more powerful than yeah. real yeah. life, as we call it. Mm -hmm. So once you've navigated the tough terrain, mm -hmm. the ups and the downs, the allies, the enemies, the mm -hmm. you know the serpents, the angels, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you've uh, lived through it in mind time, mm -hmm. it makes it easier. Yeah. And more predictable to do it in real time. Yeah. So it, it's funny because this the whole thought of storytelling just is such a powerful medium. And and what I I thought was great about taking this seminar based on the hero's journey was we literally wrote out our journey and we wrote out every step of the way and we put it in a talk and you told people this and by the time you were done, you had constructed it, it, your your moonshot, right? Or this path you wanted to take and you've walked through all of the things and it was such a powerful you walked out here with almost a little business plan or just a right thing you needed to get done and here's a here's a path to do it and use it's it's funny because in in any human transformation you know whether it's recovery or spirituality or christianity or whatever the journey is that you take it's it's the same sort of path and you've got to confront go through this dark period of the second day as Brene brown her new book talks about this moment where you have to confront this this 
your supreme ordeal. And what I, what it's, what's interesting is that companies, leadership of companies, only wants to talk about the positive, and we don't want to talk about the negative, and we don't want to. I think that stuff scares them when you start to start to really get into the things that hold you back, the truths we all know at the company that we all know are holding us back, and there's some things you got to get rid of. So I, I wonder if you confront, come across that. Just people saying, oh, we don't want to talk about the messy stuff. <laughs> we just well, want to keep it all positive. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad you brought up the supreme ordeal yeah. is phase five yeah. in the hero's journey, right? Yeah. And it's when Luke Skywalker and the rest of the team, Princess Leia, are in the trash master about to die. Right. And I think it was uh, R2-D2 that pressed the button. R2-D2 figured it out. Figured it out. He's figured it out. He did. He <laughs> saved them. And you don't know if they're saved. And then, are they dead? Oh, and he saved them. The thing stopped. Yep. And that's what I, I always laugh because I happen to have blonde hair. And, and the there's always a blonde that's, you know, strapped to the railroad tracks. <laughs> and the train is coming yeah. through the tunnel and the yeah. light. And you're saying, oh, they're just going to die. Yeah. Your feet are flapping. She's always got high heels on. I always. Like <laughs> at any rate, to get back to your question, yeah. um, it's really a short trip to convince people that they need to talk about what could do a sin. Okay. What could the big derailer be? They're almost glad you asked the question. Okay. It's a relief. Because nobody really wants to ask that question, especially before it happens. I think we're all kind of super Yeah. Don't even oh say God, it. Don't even talk about that. Yeah. But, you know, scenario planning is mm -hmm. big, and uh, it's a form yeah. of that. And, and it's, what is it? I mean, even asking the question mm -hmm. of a leadership team, what is it that could really derail us? What could we be blindsided by? Mm -hmm. And if we knew it... Yeah, what would we do about it? What would we do about yeah. it? And so that's part of feeling agency, you know, because life is full of, obviously... Slings and arrows of fate, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so what do you do with the windfalls? That's the other question we say. You know, mm -hmm. what are the things that could accelerate this growth trajectory, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, mm -hmm. and how do we leverage that? And what is it that could really do us in? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think it's, I think it's great to bring this epic storytelling into your work life. It just, yes. it just puts meaning. It really does. It just it makes it feel like you're you're working towards some greater good. Yeah, it elevates. It elevates everything, right? Yeah, it does. And when everybody has a story yeah. about the the particular journey they might be going on, yeah. you know, from where they sit, mm -hmm. and you know, we all it, this is very helpful for people um, in their in their lives, mm -hmm. not just their work lives, because we have big lives, and yeah. you know. People are going through losses, mm -hmm. um, form of death, divorce, uh, you know, two family incomes mm -hmm. not being enough. We have people who have sick kids and, uh, uh, or just like you said, addiction, you yeah. know, going through a process of recovery. Mm -hmm. That in and of itself is a heroic sure, journey. Sure, sure. It has all those exact points. It does. Yeah. And, and, and so helping people see that. These big things in life, uh, you know, can be understood mm -hmm. through this framework. Okay. And the framework itself can help us really, you know, uh, be be in charge of how we navigate. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, anything new, exciting coming up on the calendar that anyone, new book, new, anything you got cooking that you want to talk about? What have I got for you? Yeah, I don't know. You got anything? <laughs> Started to wrap this up. Any well, well, you and traveling I, anywhere? You and I actually talked about this a bit. Okay. Um, at you know we have the Ferguson report, mm -hmm. right? We've got lots of people, mm -hmm. uh, individuals, corporations, not for profits involved. You know there really is a groundswell of effort, and so one of the things I would like to do okay. is to shine the spotlight of attention yep. on how things are getting better. Where are the improvements? Uh, not to shy away from looking at, you know, yeah. how bad they are to begin with, because right. certainly uh, I would say St. Louis is a microcosm of the country sure. in terms of race relations, mm -hmm. in terms of socioeconomic ghettos, mm -hmm. um, in, just in terms of uh, the violence, the, it, it's, it's, you know, you can't deny this. Yeah. And unless we can get people involved and unless we can get different configurations of groups involved mm -hmm. and people at all levels from all angles, a systemic approach, which I think we're actually seeing manifest itself. So yeah. I'd like to maybe, maybe if you would want to interview me again yeah. or interview any of the people who I can point you to, okay. we could talk about that. chronicle that. Oh, I like that. So maybe that will be the next time we sit down, we'll talk about that. Sounds great. All right. Well, thank you, Kathy. I appreciate you doing that. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Until next time, thank you. Hurry up, darling.